If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is Christian Kirk, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap. Happy to be back from lovely Mexico, lovely Cancun. Hate to be away from you guys for a week, but we are back. We're back rocking. I'm joined by Alan Seslowski. You can find him on Twitter at Alan Seslowski. You can find a ton of his content over at rosterwatch.com where he's been cranking it out uh, on the YouTube channel, up on the website. Everywhere else, Alan, what the hell's going on, brother? Well, you guys lock me in the basement and you say, don't come up until you have 10 articles. So, you know, <laughs> what choice do I have? <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Well, thank God uh, for, for you. While I was out last week, uh, we did mention, you know, that um, starting out this week, we have the Scott Fishbowl starting. It's post 4th of July. It's time to get ready for the actual uh, you know, it's time to get it's like it's time to get into it. It's to, like people are starting to get serious about fantasy football again. And so uh, happy to be on with you moving forward. We're going to have some announcements about the Sirius XM showtimes and uh, when you can expect to hear us back on the radio there at Sirius. Also, at least two podcasts a week, maybe up to three moving forward through August, making sure that you're 100 percent ready. Uh, if you're enjoying it and you want to support the pod, please give us a five star rating and a review wherever it is that you listen. And if you watch this on YouTube, you give us a thumbs up over there. Um, we would certainly appreciate it. Leave a comment, subscribe, all that, all if, that nonsense. If you really want to support the pod, just come on over and be a pro member, man. I mean, this is the, uh, you guys have more. We have more content there now more than ever. I mean, that's yeah. how you really do support the uh, roster watch. Yes, subscribe. Yes, go to the channel, but come over. Spend the four bucks a month. Get all the the cheat sheets that you guys put together. That that's the best part. Version 1.5 of the PPR cheat sheet is up. I'm going to have the super flex stuff uh, coming pretty soon. Um, and then, of course, the uh, standard uh, and half point PPR cheat sheet always comes a little bit later on in July as we can react to uh, some of these ADP changes and stuff. So uh, a bunch of stuff over there. We're going to talk about some of it today. We're going to do a simulation using version 1.5 of the cheat sheet at the end of the pod. We're also going to talk about the running back strength of schedule tool that I put up right before I left uh, on vacation and go over some breakout players as identified by The Athletic in a recent article that they did. We'll talk about some of those fantasy values and how we're starting to sort of see them shift. But first, Alan had a good topic that I had. I mean, let's just dive in with it. I, I thought it was interesting. You said, it, I think a good topic to talk about right now is about how every player in the being taken in the first round of fantasy drafts 
as something that you kind of need to worry about. I mean, or, or, yeah. or how did you phrase it to me? I've never seen this before that every player in the first round, normally, you, you know, you're excited when you get a top three pick, you get one of the stud guys, but this year it seems like every single player has something wrong with them. And you're, you're a little skeptical about it. I mean, even if you take Christian McCaffrey one, one, he just basically had a catastrophic injury. I know he, he popped up here and there and he's the safest Dalvin cook. You're worried about an injury history. Saquon Barkley. You're talking about, you know, well, here, Let's just, let's go through them one one by yeah. one. Okay, so with Christian McCaffrey, he, yeah. So coming off the injury and also the fact that they have talked about the idea of scaling down his carries, um, they did draft Chuba Hubbard. Um, they are breaking in an all new quarterback. They are going to have one of the most terrible defenses in all of the NFL, which generally would hurt game script for a running back. Maybe with a guy like McCaffrey, you don't worry about it quite as much. Um, the offensive line hasn't improved. And he's a guy who, with his, you know, he there, there are hardly any running backs in the NFL that can stand up to the type of volume that he's had. And eventually they are going to need to, Eventually, they are going to need to scale him back and protect that investment. So that's that. That's what I see with McCaffrey. Is that basically what you identified? Just coming off the injury. New yeah, he's just not the typical one-one that we've seen in past years. It's very rare for uh, a, a running back to have a season ender and then still have the be the one-one next year. My feeling is because you saw a couple flashes when he came back, even though it was for only one game, he still produced. That's why he's still the one-one. But it, he's a atypical one consensus one-one. And he has red flags that you normally don't see in a top overall pick. And with Dalvin Cook, I don't see quite as much. Um, I, I feel like Dalvin Cook's probably one of the safer picks. I think that if you look at what the Minnesota Vikings have done on the defensive side of the football, they're going to be better defensively this year. It feels like it. they're getting some key players back. They've made some good additions. I think that they're going to want to run the football Right. Uh, that just seems like Zimmer, if he's going to want to get that defense going, he's going to want to run the football. I think we've seen what we've seen with Alexander Madison, who's felt like he was a threat, at least to bite off some work early on. But it just turns out that Alexander Madison just isn't. I mean, he's nowhere near Dalvin as far as his playmaking abilities. What is it that you see with Dalvin? I mean, is it just that I, he's coming off the you know, he's, he just has an injury history himself? Yeah, I mean, there's no one that's more ingrained in the offense as a running back than Dalvin Cook. Like, the whole offense basically starts with him. That's what you love about Dalvin Cook. That's why he's the 1.2, right? I mean, last year he had amazing, incredible positive injury luck. But in the past, I mean, if you go back to 2019, right when you needed him most, he carried you all the way to the playoffs, and then he missed games. I mean, Dalvin Cook does have a history of missing games. Any running back can get dinged up and miss games. You're just a little bit worried about him with the mileage and you're a little bit worried about him. Now he's starting to hit that. It's not so much the age. He's only age 26, but it's the number of carries. Someone else we're going to talk about after the number of carries. We're going to actually think the other way. He's the exception to the rule, but that's why he's the one too. He has the least red flags, but you're not going to be surprised if Dalvin misses a string of games. He has been banged up in the past. I saw that stat today from the, from FTN data with the, with the, with the truck yards, I guess that's a thing that they came up with where these the yards where you've had a man draped on you or something like that. This next guy we're talking about was first in that list. That's Derrick Henry. Uh, but Dalvin Cook was was right behind him. It just goes to show how good those guys are after yeah. contact and how strong they are. Uh, Derrick Henry, 
last year, what, 378 rush attempts, 19 receptions. So right teetering right there at that 400 touch. Um, yeah, I mean, Henry over the last kind of deal. Yeah, Henry over the last two seasons has averaged around 340 carries, and that's not including those deep playoff runs, right? Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I'm just not worried about him. Going back all the way to high school, the guy, I, you know, we had a, we had talked to his high school coach, and they said that after he gave him 50 carries, he wanted another 10. I mean, he might be the outlier, like as close to as durable as Adrian Peterson as we've seen. Uh, so you're not as worried about him. And that's why I said, even though Derrick Henry, his ADP is like six or seven, and he doesn't get a lot of receptions like you just talked about, I'm still not upset if somebody takes him as high as three overall because you can't win your fantasy league in the first round, but you certainly can lose it. You don't feel like you're going to lose it if you take Derrick Henry. I mean, Derrick Henry was running back three during the regular fantasy, during the fantasy regular season last year in, in PPR. Like, so, I mean, he's, he's a very, very, very safe commodity. Clearly the offense runs through him. Um, so I who think do you think it, are the safest guy? Do you think Derek, I would say Derek Henry is probably the safest guy in the yeah, first round. And that's the same thing that trash means always said. He's like, man, if I get one of those early picks, it's like, if Derek Henry falls to me, I'm, I'm, I'm taking it because I just take it. I put that aside. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. Look, man, if you look, if you get busted by injuries or something like that, that's just going to happen. Like that, it, it's just going to happen. You can't plan for it. I mean, to some degree, you, I guess to some degree you, you kind of can, you can say like, well, this guy's always injured. I'm not going to, I'm not, not going to take him. I don't, I don't generally buy into that sort of philosophy that would have got me off of Will Fuller last year, which would have been disastrous with, Derrick Henry, it's like you just take that. It's like Byron says, man, you take those touches and you put high value touches and just put them in the bank. If you want to take risks later on, you can take risks later on. What's, um, but it's important what you just said there because it's not only that you just take those touches and put them in your bank. It's that Derrick Henry doesn't even show up on the weekly injury report. You're never like, oh, my God, I have to like – wait and make five moves before just in case like he's not even on like the monday tuesday when he's never even questionable that's what's so he's going to get to a point soon wherever he he starts breaking down and he's going to be a lot more questionable a lot more of the time i don't think the cliff comes this year though that's the point and in redraft that's why i think he's a defensible again if somebody took him one overall we're not recommending you do that but it wouldn't really shock me if somebody took him one overall have you seen him? Have, have you seen his workout tapes like on Instagram and stuff? Jesus. He, I mean, he's going to beast again uh, this year for sure. Okay. With Alvin Kamara, clearly, I mean, it's obvious. There's just the whole quarterback situation. What happens with the offense in general? Uh, will he get the same number of dump offs? I, I think that it's clear to see he won't get the same number of dump offs in the passing game uh, whenever Drew Brees isn't in there because Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers both historically, um, Kind of, kind of connected in, in weird ways through the Chargers and 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 you know things that happened there. It's funny that both those guys have become the players that we think about that were just the best with getting these running backs um, involved in the passing game. And we just we we're not, we're not going to have that moving forward for Alvin Kamara. Is that your main level of worry with him? Yeah, I just think there's a little bit of quarterback uncertainty, like you said. I mean, but he scores touchdowns. I mean, he's had. I think it's. But, it, I mean, like. But but uh, but 107 targets last year. I mean, who had more targets last year than Alvin Kamara? Anybody? I mean, right. But he, again, he's another guy that's so ingrained in the offense. It's Sean Payton's offense. There's no matter who the quarterback is. I mean, what is he's not going to even if he sees a regression or a, a lower number of targets, he's still going to have an incredible number. I mean, 
at least 60 catches, right? I mean, that's well below his his career averages, 60 catches. I mean, you could put that in the bank. So who we, who do you think fantasy players should be rooting for if you draft uh, Alvin Kamara? Should they be uh, rooting for Jameis, Jameis. Winston or Ta- uh, Taysom Hill to be the quarterback? Jameis, because for, for two reasons. One, I think that Jameis is probably going to be more capable of moving the offense. And for two, Jameis is not a threat to Alvin Kamara down at the goal line the same way Taysom Hill is. Taysom Hill will do the will do the zone read stuff and – if you know if that defensive end bites down on Alvin Kamara, he's just going to hold the football and he's going to take it and run outside. Like it, I I think that would be his first instinct anyway. Taysom, Taysom Hill sees himself as a baller. Like he 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 wants the ball in his hands and he wants to make those plays. Yeah, well, it's it's really interesting because there is a faction of uh, of people on social media who think that Jameis is the locked in starter, and then there's literally another faction that is convinced it's going to be Taysom Hill. Like both sides are convinced they're right, and honestly, I'm right in the middle. I have no idea who it's going to be. I think you're right. I'm rooting for Jameis Winston. Uh, which one of those quarterbacks is better for Michael Thomas? Do you think? Uh I don't know. I I, I, I I don't think the taste. I don't think the Taysom Hill was as bad for Michael Thomas as he was for Alvin Kamara. Uh, I mean, Taysom Hill actually showed some good stuff on some of those balls to Michael Thomas last year. Uh, but we know that Jameis Winston, whenever he gets into a mode where he finds a guy that he knows he needs to feed, this, the way that he was with Mike Evans, not what two, not two, but three years ago, where he wouldn't even care that he was throwing interceptions. He just wanted to get it to Evans. Um, I think that he might lock on to Michael Thomas in that similar kind of way. So I, I think maybe I, I think I prefer Jameis for just everything. You know, I, I, just, I agree. I agree. Um, Saquon Barkley, whenever we look at him, I mean, clearly just coming off injuries. And we know that the offense has added some new weapons. You know, Kenny Galladay, Kyle Rudolph. Um, they actually added. Oh, God. Yes, who did they add? Oh, Book. Devontae Booker. Yeah. From, they added Devontae Booker because they, you know, wanted a guy who uh, might be able to help with Saquon Barkley's um, – what are the, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Like his reacclimation. Yeah, they want to kind of right. they want they want to kind of we, ease him in slowly. Is what we, you're saying? And Devontae yeah. Booker for I mean he's not a, a great running back, but he is a professional running back in the NFL. Like he he knows how to pick up an offense. He knows how to get himself integrated into the system, and he can help ease Barkley back. And there's no way. Barkley's getting a full workload on week one. I just, I'm convinced of that. Well, Ralph Vacchiano has reported that. Jordan Renan has reported, like everybody up there who's on the beat is saying, like, you guys are crazy. If you like, they're just, they're saying you guys are crazy if you think he's going to come in and just, it's going to be, you know, peak Saquon Barkley volume just, just to start this season. It's a, it right. doesn't seem feasible. And when you're spending a top pick on a guy, he's going to be in your, you know, he's going he's gonna to be in your lineup week one. If he only gets 14 touches, you're going to feel tilted. What if it's eight touches? You know what I'm saying? Like, what if, what if they just throw in the ball around a little bit? Well, then what you if, feel epically tilted. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think you could take him at pick five. Like, okay, so I don't want to slide down our draft order too much, but when you talk about safe picks, Zeke Elliott comes to mind. Everything is went wrong for Zeke after oh. week four last year, and everything's well, let's right. Let's talk about with Zeke what it is you're worried about. And what it is you're worried about is last year. Right. You're worried about last year when the offensive line went to shit. They're getting all the they're getting the offensive line back, you know, back healthy outside of dudes who've retired and things like that. But, you know, the, the offensive line is back. You worry about Tony Pollard. That team has shown nothing 
to make me think that they're going to prioritize getting Tony Pollard on the field, despite how good he's looked in Ezekiel Elliott's stead in the past. They paid Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, Jerry, we all know Jerry Jones runs the show around there. He said that Zeke is this, you know, even with a Dak, even with an Amari, even with drafting CD Lamb. Um, Michael, guys like Michael Gallup coming on. Zeke is the straw that stirs the drink. I mean, they they love Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott's still young. Yeah, his is new the, contract kicks in this year. Like he's starting that new contract now. It's not like he's at the end of a contract. I mean, this is this, this is good. This is peak Zeke. You know, I mean, we, the first four games last year when Dak was there, he was the RB three Zeke. I mean, now, like you said, everything went. We could tell ourselves a story how everything went wrong and how that's all going to be corrected right now. I mean. At very least, I mean, what is is Zeke going to finish the, uh, a healthy season as what RB eight, RB seven? That's his floor. Yeah, it, well, yeah, yeah. I think it's his floor. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I mean, geez, if, if you just look like, if you just look at previous years, last year Zeke Elliott played in fifteen games and was not healthy in a bunch of those. Um, Finished with in PPR what twelve PPR points per game. It was a miserable season. It was a miserable. It was a miserable offensive line. Look Dak at that Prescott. First month, though. That Dak first Prescott month. got. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at yeah, that, that, that's a good point. If you just look at the games where Dak Prescott was healthy before the offensive line went to uh, went to went, went to complete shit. I mean, you had the twenty four point seven point game at eighteen point two. Pretty tough one uh, versus Seattle, where he only got 14 attempts in a game that was shot out early on. You remember how bad Seattle was to start last season. That was a 38, 31 to 38 affair. And, and another huge, just 38 to 49. I forgot about this. Uh, a loss to Cle- a 49 to 38 loss to Cleveland. Um, only got a 12 and a half pointer in that one, but then versus the New York Giants, got back into it with 22 and a half fantasy points. After that, things went to shit. Uh, Dak got hurt. And, uh, but Zeke was on pace for, you know, he didn't have another game like he had in those, in that first five game stretch until week 11 at Minnesota when he got up to, back up to 17 fantasy points. And then uh, just at the very end of the season, when we started getting a little bit more volume back in weeks 16 and 17. So in a long season, Alex, like we have the extra game, every primary running back is likely going to have a lighter workload at some uh, stretches of the game. Just like how the NBA gives them their rest days. There's going to be 12 touch, 14 touch Zeke weeks where Pollard gets 14, 15 touches. You you don't mind that. Just expect that. That's going to be with every primary running back this year. Well, speaking of that, what about Jonathan Taylor? Because, I mean, clearly you have Marlon Mack coming back. You have um, Naheem Hines, who's still there, that's going to bite off work in the passing game. I was just looking at targets last year. Wilkins was wasn't bad either, right? Wilkins is decent. I, I think Wilkins sucks. I, I, mean, I don't I don't worry much about him. But you're right. It's another, like If we're talking about things to worry about, it's another thing to factor in. And you know, the, the other thing you got to factor in is that they lost Anthony Costanzo. You know, they, like that's the – you know, that's the – that's a – you know, how often do we just not talk about a team losing its cornerstone left tackle for the and, and how that affects the running game? I mean, that good goodness gracious. I know that they've made some they've consequently made some moves to help buttress that offensive line. But that's a big deal. Um, do you, do, so is that sort of what you see with Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, I mean, as you see, we're going down the list here. Every one of these first round picks suck. And again, obviously sucks is a relative term. You know, we've identified so far as Henry and Zeke as having the least 
of, of the least worries. So yeah, Jonathan Taylor obviously has the upside to become the, the RB one, but you just named all the, the things that I'm worried about it. Jonathan Taylor probably should be like the, the eighth or seventh or eighth or 10th player off the board. That's why these players that may not have the same upside Zeke and Derrick Henry, if you're risk averse, uh, you may want to push those guys up. So it's just something to think about. Like when you're on the clock at four and Barkley's sitting there, Jonathan Taylor's sitting there, and all of a sudden you take like Derrick Henry or Zeke, it's, it just doesn't feel right. But in week six, when those guys are healthy and the other guys are getting, you know, limited carries, it, it may work out for you. I love, yeah, I, I, I love it. I love this conversation. It was a good idea to bring it up. Just a, just a few more of these guys. Aaron Jones is sort of a fringe First round type. I mean, clear. Yeah. We don't need to go into much about that. It's just yeah. The last Aaron. two weeks, he's moved down into the second round. In all like the the money sites, uh, MFL and uh, Underdog, he's actually now he's squarely in. The, he's like pick fifteen now, so okay. he's he's no longer in the first round. Which again, could end up being a value if you draft early because he's great. I I would have him like as my fourth or fifth ranked running back if I knew for sure Aaron Rodgers was going to play. But obviously. He's not. Uh, Cam, we don't know for sure. Cam Akers is just, you know, we've only seen it from him on such a, such a small sample. Yeah. Certainly looked very good. That offense is certainly looking like it's going to take an uptick there with Matt Stafford at the range for the Rams. Nick Chubb, you worry just about the fact that he's he's in a one he's in a one-two punch backfield with bait, a top five to ten running back that is his platoon mate in Kareem Hunt. You know, that's a, that's always going to be a legitimate source of worry. Um and he missed games last year. He missed about a, a four, a, what is it, about a four game stretch. So I would actually call Nick Chubb one of the safer guys. Not, and, and he is, there is upside cap on him, you know, because of all the reasons you just named. But because he, you know, he's going to get what, 285 carries. I mean, that's like the minimum he'll probably get. And he'll, he'll have some touchdown equity. I consider him safe, but he doesn't, he does end up on the injury report. Unlike the Zeke and, uh, and Derek Henry, those guys are seldom ever even questionable for the week. Clearly just the wide receivers that you would look, I mean, Travis Kelsey, you could take in the first round, but you always feel, it just feels bad taking a tight end in the yeah, first round. Um, with, uh, you know, I think a tight end premium and stuff like I, in the Scott Fishbowl, I just took Travis Kelsey number four overall. Yeah, he's like, that. I get, a, I get, you know, you get points for tight end first downs and all this stuff. I just, I just think about it. Travis Kelsey is a cash register in that format, but in just a regular old PPR league, it just feels weird. What about, what about, you know, Tyreek Hill sneaks into the first round, Stefan Diggs and Devontae Adams sneak into the first round. I think, I think you could probably uh, hilariously, you could feel okay about the Stefan Diggs and Tyree kills situations. You just, you know, with the running back thirst out there, you know, you're passing on a running back and you know, those guys are going to go quick. That would definitely be my worries with them with Devontae Adams. Of course, we have the same issue with Aaron Jones. We don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be there. Aaron Rodgers just yesterday would decline to uh, specify whether he was planning on being the, the week one starter for the green Bay Packers. So what do you think about those three before we move on to the next topic? Yeah, if you for years, I mean, you've been playing fantasy for decades. The 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 move if you're picking at like the 12 spot is to take the two best receivers after everyone's taken the running back. So even though there's a huge running back thirst, you need to pivot to the wide receivers if you're picking at like 11 or 12 and just take two of the best guys, and then you know you, you get into the Miles Gaskin sort of tier well, in the next yeah. couple rounds. Do you know what I can do? Just that's a good point, and I think right now what I can do is just run a simulation here using the cheat sheet, oh. and I'll show you how it. Uh, like pick from 12. If, if we pick at 12, we'll probably get. Tyreek and Diggs or something similar to that. So we'll just see if maybe we can 
maybe we can just do that and just we'll prove we'll prove to you his point here because it it, it looks it looks shaky it it, do, it does look shaky at first yeah it looks shaky at first and sometimes it won't completely shake out for you but let's just see here so look it's already picked at 12 uh just a regular setup snake draft um 12 team league a ppr deal one quarterback two running backs two wide receivers one tight end and two flex we'll draft against the you average draft. before you do that make yep. it three receivers i think I, I i think the mainstream even home leagues are starting to go with three receivers and that'll help that'll actually help us more i think i mean again just to kind of test it where you actually need the receivers where the receivers sorry that that'll make it more challenging because other teams are going to try to take receivers too Okay. Well, yeah, I can change it. Generally, I like to. I, it's been tested. It's been tested on these parameters. So we'll mm-hmm. see how we'll, we'll we'll see how it works if things yeah, go sideways. The- That'll be why. Um, so the the eighty the composite ADPs would be from Fantrax, NFL.com, or and NFL.com has just now been added. Their ADPs, RT Sports Fantasy Football Calculator, also the composite best ball ADPs from across the industry. Also getting put in here will be the expert rankings at Fantasy Pros. We'll be drafting against the Yahoo pre-draft rankings, ESPN pre-draft rankings, and NFL.com. Pre-draft rankings. So basically, any resource that your that your um, league mates are going to be using against you is, is baked in here. We use version one point five. This was test yeah. six I did yesterday. Fantasy Pros is calibrated because I've been using this simulator for like at least six or seven years, and they've really calibrated this thing to work to work well. So oh, it does it's it a, does it, give you a real it's look. A, it's a it's a it's 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 a fantastic simulator. Yeah, they uh, the app on the phone works great too. When I'm on the toilet, I do a quick simulation on my phone using the cheat sheet. <laughs> Okay. Well, so we do. Uh, so what we're going to get here is we're not going to mm. get two wide receivers unless you just wanted to deviate from the cheat sheet. And yeah, just, let's just, just force just, it just for the sake the of it. Okay, yeah. so we'll test the theory and we'll go Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins. That's the way. That's how I would do it. Okay, so we'll take Stephon Diggs. I mean, if it were me, I would take Stephon Diggs and Cam Akers. But, right, and I agree with you there. I totally agree. We're ju- we're just doing an experiment. This is the time to experiment, like before right. we get to August. Okay, so let's just start out with these two wideouts, and let's see how we can see how we can do here. So we'll that'll leave us to where we can basically next. We're we're, we're going to get a Chris Carson here at the end of the third, which to mm-hmm. me is just always seems like such a screaming deal. Uh, and Montgomery. And then, well, but if we go with the cheat sheet, it'll be it'll be Amari Cooper. Are you saying that you uh, want to do the cheat sheet? Like, no, oh, yeah, oh yeah, no, we can do that. That's fine. I was just to, trying to do an experiment to see what happens All when right. you do the wide because, like you said, the cheat sheet would never tell you to take wide receiver, wide receiver there when Cam Akers is on the board. So already we're off the rails. This All is right. like a, an avant garde experiment. We're All doing right. here. Let's see if we do it here with David Montgomery. We'll see how that works. The cheat sheet up next would say, and so look, I mean, if you want to keep going with uh, with running back, you could go with Kareem Hunt here at the very end of the fifth round. Um, that's what the sheet says. Cortland Sutton and Chase Edmonds will be right after that, and they're ranked at the same spot. So let's just take yep. Kareem Hunt here. Yeah, maybe should we should we keep it? Should we keep it? We get two balanced picks. and get. Uh, no, this is the next pick. Should we keep it balanced and keep, go with Sutton, or should we go with another? Um, running back in Edmonds. But I think since we're going three wide outs, we should go with Sutton here. And I agree with there. Sutton, Sutton's undervalued right now. The first good camp report on him, up he goes, right? Look at this shit. Okay, so the only things we really changed here were we we, we took David Montgomery and we, we reached for David Montgomery on the sheet. We reached for um, – DeAndre Hopkins on the sheet by right. two, by, by, only two, by only two slots. 
And then we're the, the, this looks good. We'll just go with the cheat sheet here because Trey Sermon, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about this in just a little while, but I, why I'm much, much higher on him. Now we have a choice between Antonio Brown and Damian Harris. Um, Damian Harris is another guy who we're going to talk about really shortly, why I'm a lot higher on him. But I think Antonio Brown is a good play here. And, um, you know, since the, we are starting three wide receivers, maybe Antonio – what do you think? Do you want to go Antonio Brown or Damian Harris? I don't think Damian Harris has as much ups. I like him, but I'm worried about his touchdown equity with Cam there, and I'm worried about the PPR stuff. So Antonio Brown, to me, has an equal chance to produce as much as Mike Evans or as Chris Godwin, and he's going four rounds later. We already have, in this simulation, we already have four running backs in a league where I only have to start two running backs where I need to start three wide receivers and a flex. Yeah, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown. And also, I feel like during this process, we might get a shot at – Gus Edwards and or Tony Pollard here um, with, yeah, Gus Edwards and possibly Tony Pollard. So See, that's, there we that, go. that's you knowing the, yeah. the pool. That's amazing. Yeah. See, that's so, when you do enough of these simulations. You learn the pool so well. Yeah, so that's what we'll just go ahead and do here. We'll take Gus Edwards and we'll take Tony Pollard. And, we'll, and then I know what's going to happen. I'll tell you what happens next is we're going to end up, maybe Mike Williams will end up falling. If Mike Williams doesn't end up falling, we'll get Nicole Hardman, who there's been buzz about. We'll get Nelson Aguilar, who there's been buzz about, especially with Nikhil Harry. Now we're now requesting a trade out of uh, New England. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll finish up with these. We'll finish up. So it'll be Miko Hardman and Nelson Aguilar. And By the then, way, what team? What what team is going to trade for Nikhil Harry? And, <laughs> and like, what are they going to give up for him? If, a conditional if, seventh? If, if, if I were a GM, I'd give up a conditional seventh for for that dude any day of the week, man. I, right. I would do it any day. Just get get him out. Give him a new lease on life. Let's take Miko Hardman. Let's take Nelson Aguilar here. We're going to get a quarterback. Uh, we're probably going to. We've waited way too long on quarterback here, so we'll probably just end up going with somebody like, you know, you could go with Trey Lance or Trevor Lawrence. I think picking Trevor Lawrence here in this spot, Trey Trey Lance is built in here to be your second quarterback. Generally, a quarterback will have gone earlier, but since we don't have a starting quarterback, I'm going to go with the guy who I know is starting in week one and go with Trevor Lawrence. And then we'll get Adam Troutman at tight end, who's going to be a huge breakout anyway. Um, That team, using the cheat sheet, where we only did a little experiment at the very beginning, with and you know, I, I could have gone Baker Mayfield there. Maybe I should have gone Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield was the was a top five QB over that last month of the season. It's unbelievable. I think people are undervaluing him in these drafts. I mean, in one QB, you don't need to value him, but in Superflex, man, uh, you just got to go get him. Picking at the twelve hole here in this simulation, where Alan and I did a, a bit of an experiment. We we reached a little bit on DeAndre Hopkins, where we probably should have taken Cam Akers, or I mean, maybe Austin Eckler would have been the best. Pick. We, we, we could have taken either of those guys. We decided to reach on DeAndre Hopkins just to see how Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins start would look and whether or not we could pull through with good enough running backs. We got Chris Carson. The cheat sheet then told us we could either you we could take one of the Cowboys wide receivers or if we wanted to slightly reach, we could take David Montgomery and secure that RB2, which is what we did. Um, we ended up after that, we just used the, the cheat sheet just as completely by the by the rules. Um the quarterback in this one is Trevor Lawrence. The running backs are Chris Carson, David Montgomery, Kareem Hunt, Trey Sermon, Gus Edwards, Tony Pollard. The wide receivers are Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Cortland Sutton, Antonio Brown, Nico Hardman, and Nelson Aguilar. The tight end is Adam Troutman. To me, that is an excellent draft. Um, yeah. whenever, whenever Fantasy Pros gives you a grade of a C, 
you know that it's that's you, good. You you know that you're on to something, right? You know, right. when they give you an something. A, it's when you have that's the one thing they need to fix because every yeah. the, the you know the, the word is out there. When you get an A from Fantasy Pros, you didn't <laughs> it's go no well. Good, it's, it's too no strong. good. It's on yeah. its head. They literally um, just need to take their algorithm and spin it upside down. Yeah. Um, so we'll do another we'll do another sim maybe here at the very end where we where we don't do the weird experimentation. The 2021 Roster Watch Cheat Sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com. The revolutionary cheat sheet to change fantasy football forever is back only at rosterwatch.com. Winning fantasy players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. The Roster Watch cheat sheet. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. That's it. Three rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Roster Watch cheat sheet. An expert quality draft is guaranteed as long as you follow the rules, the three simple rules that a toddler could follow. This sheet is magical, it's mystical, it is mythical. It is the Roster Watch cheat sheet only at rosterwatch.com. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. I wanted to get into this next subject. Again, a meaty edition of the podcast a lot to get to after we've sort of been off for a week we appreciate you guys joining us if you're enjoying the pod please take a minute give it a rating and a review in apple podcast spotify wherever it is that you listen okay so breakout players let's just go through these teams the miami dolphins we have josh tolentino from the uh, miami beat there for the athletic saying that of course uh tua has a lot to um a lot to prove after this season but the team has expressed confidence in miles gaskin who led with 584 rushing yards and three touchdowns despite only playing in 10 games. If he can stay healthy, Miami has shown it's willing to give him a heavy workload with a fully loaded wide receiver core. Gaskin will have the green light in the backfield to take off. You mentioned it earlier, man. He's a real-life preserver of a running back in that fifth, sixth round if you get a little bit wooly at the beginning and want to take some of those running backs or some of those wide receivers that didn't fall for us with Miles Gaskin. I know you could probably feel like you want to take a victory lap. You've been you've been on the Miles Gaskin train since the very you've been on it, dude. What um, a train to be on, huh? The Gaskin yeah, train. Yeah, I don't know about. Well, it's good to be on right now. Yeah, and, and I, I I feel like we're, we're we're getting a good amount of him in 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 simulations because he just is presenting a terrific value. He's in that pocket with Travis Etienne that um, you know. For late fourth through the fifth and sometimes into the sixth round, you can get these guys. Yeah, I just don't think when you when you draft Miles Gaskin, because he is a hyped player right now. And yes, thank you for saying that we've been talking about him since January. But 
he's not going to be an RB1. I don't see him being like RB9, 10, 11, or 12. I could see him being like RB15, like 16, 18, which is great for your fantasy team, right? You know, you're getting 12 to 13 fantasy points every week. You don't have to think about it. Maybe one week you get 18. Just don't expect him to like win your league for you. It's just that he, when we were drafting him in those early best balls, he was going in the eighth round. I mean, and he's still worth where he's going now in the fourth. So yeah, of course I like Gaskin. He just, he wasn't good on the goal line last year. And obviously, he he proved he wasn't uh, durable enough to hold hold it down the whole season. But how can you? I mean, in the fourth round, there's no better pick at running back. I think in the fifth too, man. Yeah, I mean, fifth, wherever you're getting the him. fifth. Like, I mean, he finishes running back 13 last year in PPR leagues and per game, right? In a yeah. per game basis, well, right? I I always talk about things. In, in, yeah, in, well, that's part of his. That's why he's right. in the fifth round was right. because he didn't hold up. He's a little bit undersized, and right. again, so yeah, the thir- when he's there, he's going to be fine. I'm just meant like overall, he's never going to be like that league winner. But he did have, what, like a 35-point finish last week of the season, something like that? Yeah, man. Um, Let's see. So as we uh, scroll down here in the AFC East, the New York Jets, Connor Hughes reporting, they – they just they couldn't believe that that Elijah Moore was there in the second round of the draft. He's been one of the best players of offseason workouts. It's a crowded wide receiver room. They have Corey Davis. They have Jamison Crowder. They have Denzel Mims, who's kind of ailing. They have Keelan Cole. But – it's going to be impossible to keep Elijah Moore off the field. We're, I, I was a little bit disappointed in that last simulation that we weren't getting him because I, I think, believe yesterday in version 1.5, I was getting Elijah Moore in 60, I think 62% of the simulations with the uh, 14th pick before kicker and defense. Um, so we're getting a lot of him. I don't know how much, how much longer he's going to stay affordable there in that 14th round. I think we'll, we'll try and stay a little bit ahead of ADP though, just because how much we loved him as a prospect and, how much it seems like he's taken to this NFL deal like a duck to water. Yeah, good good call by uh, by Byron and you and, and Trashman. I mean, you guys were talking about Elijah Moore before the NFL draft, saying that it's like, don't be shocked if he goes in the first round. Obviously, the Jets got him pretty early in the second round. Uh, he, You know what you love about him is that he went to Old Miss with, with DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown, and they were both – uh, fall, uh, stupidly drafted in the second round, and now another player that comes out the next year is pushed into the second round. It just seems like the, those guys are following a similar pattern, and it's going to surprise nobody at this point. I had a friend come to me yesterday and say, hey, I think Elijah Moore is going to be a breakout. I said, okay, what's your next revelation, that the sky is blue? It's like, welcome to the party, buddy. I mean, you, I just love that you guys identified him way earlier than this. Baltimore Ravens, um, we have Jeff Zrebeck reporting that, look, the Ravens believe that J.K. Dobbins is capable of more. They want to get him more involved in the passing game. They love Gus Edwards, and they'll stick with the running back by committee, but they do expect Dobbins to be more of a focal point this year. Clearly, Dobbins just an us. I mean, uh, coming out, he reminded me of like a a Larry Johnson-level talent. he, he's he's going to be terrific in the pass game. I've I know I mean I've seen him. I mean the guys from right down the street. You mm-hmm. know, like he's you know I've seen him live from back going back when he was in 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 high school. Um, so uh, where was he? Dripping Springs, Lagrange, somewhere just somewhere just east of town, east of Austin here, where I'm I'm kind of based out of. Um, look, man, he he's a dynamo. He, he's 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 ridiculous. I think that. 
you worry a bunch about Gus Edwards, and I think the Gus Edwards right now presents the better value in fantasy when he's a guy like you just saw. We can take you know in the ninth, tenth round of these drafts. We we have to take J.K. Dobbins. He's sliding a little bit to where you take right the round three. I mean, it's where else you going to get a lead running back on a good offense in round three on a very run first offense? Yeah. Right. And, and look how he finished the season. One of my favorite fantasy football strategies, I've talked about this with you before, is that I like to see players that, you know, maybe got off to a slow start and then look what they did like the last six weeks. I mean, he scored a touchdown in every week. As soon as they relegated Mark Ingram to the bench, it was really focused on J.K. Dobbins. The PPR upside is going to be limited, but you're getting him in the third round. In those rare leagues that we play in where there's third round reversal, if you do take the two receivers on the one-two turn and you pick early in the third round, J.K. Dobbins is an auto smash there. You have your running back one. The Indianapolis Colts. I can't believe this. It's music to my ears. I, I'm sure it'll be music to your ears. Um we have Zach Kiefer, who covers the team closely, saying that our guy, he believes in Paris Campbell the same way that GM Chris Ballard says, I believe in Paris Campbell, the same way that Roster Watch believes in Paris Campbell. He says he could become a consistent weapon of the Colts passing attack as a speedy threat who could take quick throws and pile up yards after the catch. It's a big year for him, and it starts with staying healthy. What Paris Campbell is quoted as saying is, one thing I've learned through all this is not what you do in your first two years. It's who can last the longest. So Paris Campbell feels like he can last. He knows he's still there. He has the support of Frank Reich, who Zach Kiefer says has big, quote, big plans for him this year. He has the support of his GM. He has the support of all of Roster Watch Nation. We love our golden son, Paris Campbell. Yeah, I mean, the price is right on him, too, right? You don't have to spend any significant well, draft capital in your I need, draft to, uh, on I, I need to move him up on the cheat sheet. Yeah, I, in that I mean, uh, in the SiriusXM host draft, we proactively reached up and, and got him, and we, we're going to have – I think he's like our wide receiver six in that league. We're going to dominate that. I mean, league. I might rather even have him than Nelson Aguilar. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a – I'm going to make a move there with him. He needs to at least be in that pocket. He needs to be I in think that above pocket. It. Because when you're drafting that late, those are the guys you're going to cut first. I mean, the minute the hot free agent comes up, if if Nelson... Here's the thing. You wouldn't have cut Paris. We had Paris Campbell last year. If he would have gotten hurt, you wouldn't have cut him. He looked good in that first half of that first game. But it was just, you know, his season was touched. What He he only made it to game two, right? So it was... he he could have not even made it out of the second half of, of, of game one. I mean, but he's certainly he's certainly man. Paris Campbell, and, and think and think about. I mean, a new a new quarterback. Like he he could be a guy like Carson Wentz's best friend, especially a dude. You know how Carson Wentz had that connection over the middle and over those drag routes and stuff like that with the Zach Ertz's of the world. That's where Paris can That's where Paris Campbell can operate. But he's got some speed to him. Yeah, and there's no tight end to think of. Like usually on a team where there's a tight end that could soak up, you know, 80 targets, that's fine. But there's well, we, literally no tight end on Indianapolis. I, I was just, I was just, I was just reading today. Well, well, they did draft Kalen Granson, who was a came from Westlake High School, my my alma mater. He went to SMU. Mm-hmm. They also still have um, Mo Alley Cox, but they said with with Jack Doyle, expect him to be used as a blocker much, much more this year is, you know, they've tried, they're, they're trying to get Eric Fisher there to take over for Anthony Costanzo and they're just going to need uh, Doyle a lot more in the, in, in the run game. Yeah. That's exactly um, what you want. You want like just a bunch of names on jerseys with no one that's going to command more than, you know, 25 or 45 targets for the year. The Jacksonville Jaguars, the obvious answer would be, um, would be uh, Trevor Lawrence, of course, but uh, the reporter here says that, Instead, you should look at Travis Etienne. He says that he was the second pick in the first round at number 25. 
And Urban Meyer hasn't been shy about his goals for 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 ETN as a dual threat out of the backfield. Um, he just says, "Don't be surprised if he breaks out as a complete, like completely breaks out, just as a complete epic superstar." <laughs> like they're, they're they're high on Travis ETN down in Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, this was Urban Meyer's. You know, this uh, the obvious pick at number one was Trevor Lawrence. Then that wasn't really a draft pick. This was his first decision he had to make as a Jacksonville Jaguars head coach. You know, everybody would have picked Lawrence at one. He made a pro act. He actually jumped up. Nobody thought he was going to take ETN there. You know, so it's interesting. He's going to want to prove that that pick was right. I, I love the price on him too. Isn't he going like in the fifth round of a lot of yes, these drafts? Yeah. Yes, for the the, the four. He's he, like it's, it's it's that pocket. Like once Josh Jacobs goes. It's going to be you, – you start looking at ETN. You start looking at guys like Mike Davis. You start looking at guys like Miles Gaskin. And then if you have to – you know, you start falling a little bit farther than that, that's when you start having to look at the, you know, the Kareem Hunts and the Chase Edmonds. And maybe you could take a stab at Javante Williams. And then a little bit later than that, you have a little pocket of reserve players and Trey Sermon and Damian Harris. And then you have your little pocket – with your Gus Edwards and your Tony Pollards, if you get into real, real trouble. But yeah, yeah. that's a that, that's a key pocket right there. The, the, yeah. Like the ETN, Mike Davis, um, uh, kind of uh, Miles Gaskin sort of tier. Um, He's the about, one that can win you the league, though. ETN's the like the one, the only one of those names that you said yep. that could literally finish as the RB one. Yep, and that's why and that's why he should be considered by everybody, us included. Uh, they're at the very top of the tier. How about this one? You'll never guess this for the Tennessee Titans. Joe Joe Rexroad is saying that Darrington Evans is an afterthought in the Titans' offense at this point, but that may not be the case a few weeks into the season. Twenty twenty third rounder out of App State. He's got the explosiveness to be the great change of pace for Derrick Henry, but he had a nagging hamstring injury last year. We know we that kept him out the whole season. He's looked really good catching balls in the spring, according to Rex Road. Um, he says if he gets better in pass protection, he could be another beneficiary of the fact that they have Derrick Henry, they have A.J. Brown, they have Julio Jones, just as a dude who can be an auxiliary option, who is dynamic in space. I mean, we saw we we know what Darrington Evans can do. His 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 college highlights are his college highlights are human joystick like. What do you think? I, that's not a name that I've heard very much of, or I haven't really thought much about Darrington Evans at all. But I, I think and, it's interesting. At risk of sounding like our own resident trash man, I think the 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 backup to own in Tennessee is Brian Hill. And let me explain just briefly why. And again, everything you said about Darrington Evans is correct. Like you, you pick him with the last pick of your draft, and if it if it doesn't go well, you just cut him. But Brian Hill kind of profiles as the one to one replacement. So if you're into like the handcuffing thing or the 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 backup that profiles a little bit more like Henry, and let's say the unthinkable happens, I'm not saying you should draft Brian Hill, but if you're in one of those deep dynasty leagues. Where where he's on the waiver wire, pick him up. And there's no doubt that Brian Hill is going to be like the top waiver ad one week in the first month and a half of the season. If they decide to give, if it's like announced, Hey, we're going to sit Derrick Henry, just give him a game off. That's going to happen with a lot of the primary ball carriers. I could see if Tennessee's four and two or six and one, they say, Hey, we're going to rest Derrick Henry this week. So I would just keep an eye on Brian Hill, but I like everything you said about Evans. The Denver Broncos beat reporter, Nick Cosmider here in this article for the athletic identified, Jerry Judy, the number 15 pick in the 2020 NFL draft, is a guy uh, who he pegs to break out. Cortland Sutton, of course, returning from the ACL injury. Um, you know, there's there's quarterback stuff going on, but I, look, I've been seeing the I've been seeing the workout videos of Jerry Judy getting open. Uh, you just you you forget 
just with the bad drops last year and stuff, you forget what a route running savant he is. Uh, Nick Cosmider saying that Judy should have more freedom in the middle of the field to turn his precise route running ability into more game changing plays. Um, your thoughts on Judy? Are you, are you finding yourself getting a good amount of him or is the quarterback situation there in Denver just completely turning you off to the passing game options? Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not as afraid of the, the quarterback situation as the market is. And, you know, just think about this. Like, where would we be drafting Jerry Judy if it was announced that Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback there, right? So he would move up what he would go from like the sixth round to like the third round or like the, the definitely the early fourth round. So you see the upside with Judy. I'm with you. I mean, he had a couple bad drops last year. He looked pretty good for a rookie. And then he had that big look with that 90 yard touchdown towards the end of the season. That was enough for me. I I'm with you uh, there. I want to try to proactively draft him. You're going to have to choose between him and Cortland Sutton, because those guys are usually going in the same round, the same five picks. So if on the clock and they're both there, who, who do you think you'll click the button on? If you know, in your money leagues, me, yeah, Cortland Sutton, yeah. I mean, I've already seen Cortland Sutton be a complete alpha. At the, I mean, I look, I, I love, I like Judy better as a prospect than I like Cortland Sutton, and maybe with Cortland Sutton, that's probably, you know, it's just, it's, it's my reflex to say Cortland Sutton, but I, I think that, I think that you could probably make a good case for Judy as, as, as well. Those guys should be a little bit closer together on, on the, on the cheat sheet than I, than Judy's I got the better draft capital, right? He was a first round pick. Cortland Sutton was a second round pick. Yeah. I know that's kind of just picking things that for the case for Judy, but it, it is a fact yeah. uh, for the Kansas city chiefs. We have Nate Taylor here reporting for the athletic that Miko Hardman looks like he's set to come into the season as a wide, as the wide receiver too. all our, all our sneaky picks are just getting busted on here. Yeah, that's what happens. Alan, uh, yeah, that's Sam, what happens. Sam, Sam, Sammy Watkins is now gone. Um, we know famously that Miko Hardman has struggled. Um, <clears throat> I forget who it was who was talking about uh, his specific struggles, versus man coverage in his first two NFL seasons. But, dude, he does come in as the number two wide receiver for these guys. Um, it's a Patrick Mahomes-led offense. He's got legit game-breaking speed at a Tyreek Hill level. Uh, I love taking Nicole Hardman late in these drafts, round 12, round 13. I mean, when they drafted him, it was a known thing that he was going to be a project. Like, he wasn't even, like, an offensive player. They were deciding in college if he was going to be a defensive back, right, or or an offensive player. So it, it was a known thing that he was going to be a third or fourth-year breakout. And then we just wanted it so bad the first two years. And when it didn't happen, that soured a lot of people on him. And his price is right. I mean, he's, what, an 11th, 12th-round pick? I mean, you're deciding between players like him and Brian Edwards, you know, both guys with upside. So I was a little lower on Mikel until I— I heard you guys make the case not too long ago. Uh, I mean, this blurb is only going to push his ADP up to like the ninth or 10th round. So uh, if you want him, you better get him because the first Twitter uh, highlight real catch he has, it's it's he's going into the eighth or the seventh. Philadelphia Eagles beat reporter Zach Berman saying that he predicts the very obvious that Dallas Goddard's taking over as the number one tight end next season. He went as far as to say that the Pro Bowl bid isn't out of the question. And we, and we know that Zach Goddard, we've loved him ever since we saw him for just one part of one practice at the senior bowl, but just getting to be around that guy, interviewing him, seeing his, seeing his body shape and body type and, you know, just seeing what he was able to do in call. I forget where he went. Did, did he go to South Dakota state? Something I think it was South Dakota state. Um, so a small, a small school, but uh, just a, a completely dominant performer there. Um I look at I look at I start to look at the cheat sheet and I wonder should we be taking Dallas Goddard I started should we taking Dallas Goddard above Logan Thomas 
I kind of think probably yes. Think so yeah. Yes, I would say yes. I think that you know Dallas Goddard's ADP is right after Kyle Pitts, uh, TJ Hawkinson, and, and Mark Andrews. Andrews. He usually goes right around there. So I don't think this news is going to change his ADP that much. It's just like he was already it was already baked in that he was going to be the tight end one from the from the best ball market. Uh, it's it's time. I mean, we've been waiting for a couple of years for Dallas Goddard. Wait, just wait till Dallas, Dallas Goddard's the starting one tight tight end one. All right, this is it. I mean, it shouldn't cost you more than a, a late six, early seventh round pick to find out. And you know, people are. I've heard some smart fantasy analysts saying stay out of that tight end pocket, but I think Dallas Goddard has as good a chance as any to be considered in the top tier next year. So I like playing in that in that little area of tight end for the football team. It's like this is crazy to me. We got Ben. Ben Standig, who is legit one of their best beat guys there for the for the Washington football team. And to me, Antonio Gibson already broke out, but he's saying that there is more to come. Um, he's saying that he's saying that he, you know, he's saying that it, it was a lackluster offense last year. They didn't find the end zone frequently. They ranked 25th in scoring. They cycled through four quarterbacks. Now Ryan Fitzpatrick's under center. There's better playmakers. He says, and his quote is, an experienced version of Gibson is ready to run his game up even another level. I don't want to embarrass you on this and make you blush, Alex, but I think that it's it, it warms my heart when people in the industry that don't aren't even associated with Roster Watch call out Roster Watch for, <laughs> and give them credit for discovering Antonio Gibson, almost like you've birthed him for fantasy. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's two players. I mean, there's many players, but there's two players that really are signature call by roster watch Antonio Gibson is one of them Cooper Cup was the other I mean there's so many but those seem in the last five years to be the two that that people remember like on, on regular terrestrial mainstream radio I've heard people talk about it it's it's unbelievable yes I agree with the the call I'm taking Antonio in like the leagues where I have good money on the line I'm picking at pick 10 11 I'm not going to be bashful I might actually take Antonio Gibson yeah, take in him. round one do you take him before Joe Mixon uh, yes that's okay. that's an easy call for me uh, that's a tough call for me. Yeah, so, I mean, I understand why, but for yeah. me, I just we've we've seen a few seasons of it. The offensive line in, in Cincinnati doesn't look like it's improved that much. And uh-huh. if I'm wrong, I'm will. It, it's not, I'm not going to be that wrong. Whereas I'm wrong the other way. And Antonio yeah. Gibson's the RB one overall. I'm going to literally <laughs> want to jump out of uh, off my yeah. my balcony. Yeah, uh, uh, the Detroit Lions. We know that they're RB one, despite the fact that he's called the B running back. By new, uh, by new uh, run game coordinator Anthony Lynn is is DeAndre Swift. We have uh, Nick Baumgartner predicting DeAndre Swift as the breakout player, even despite Jamal Williams' arrival in Detroit. Um, he's just saying that. Look, uh, he even says a little bit of fantasy stuff here. So here, here's what Nick Baumgartner says: He's not sure this combination will affect Swift's fantasy value, but if you're in a points perception league, he could turn a corner there too. He has the ability to be a three down back. This could be the year that we see him show it. I, 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 I don't think that you can I don't think you can justify taking DeAndre Swift off the field all too often for Jamal Williams. Can we can we give this beat writer a, a round of applause real for acknowledging for, that for his, catering to fantasy? Well, just yeah. knowing who reads his articles. You, right. The, the twenty-five people that read his article from Detroit, and then there's the twenty-five thousand outside <laughs> of analysts yeah. in the country that read his article because of it. Yeah, that's good acknowledgement right there. So we'll give yeah. him props. Yeah, now I'm I'm higher on um on DeAndre Swift than I think the market. I I don't see why he can't be a first he's, up. He's slipping. He's yes. slipping in drafts. I, Do like, you remember? I didn't, I did. I had to move him down the cheat sheet because I was like, I, when I was running simulations on version one point five, I was getting him 
if you, if you if using version one before after I got back from vacation after only a week I don't I don't know what happened but I was getting DeAndre Swift and over sixty percent of simulations I said well that's just too much exposure to DeAndre Swift not that I don't want him but I you know I, I don't want him to be in sixty percent of our of our users you know drafts I I feel like that's probably betting a little bit too you know I like him but boy I don't want to bet on the come that much. Yeah, and especially because of the, the team context, it's a bad team. But, you know, I, the way I answer that question is that if they're a bad team and they're trailing, I mean, Jared Goff is, he made the, Todd Gurley's best pass catching season, right? It was Jared Goff that was throwing him the football. Uh, so I could see a situation where DeAndre Swift, I mean, his, if you told me his under over for receptions was 70, I'm taking the over. I mean, and that's a high number, right? I mean, there's no, and that's, and what we know from fantasy football is that a reception is twice as good or probably more than a, a carry. So even if DeAndre Swift is like eight or nine carries a game, if he's getting eight targets a game, seven targets a game, he's going to be a first round pick in 2022. When we look at the uh, next one down here, the Green Bay Packers, we have Matt, Matt Schneidman from The Athletic reporting. Another roster watch favorite, dude, one of our favorites. Um, the breakout player will be wide receiver return specialist Amari Rogers, the rookie third-round pick out of Clemson, a true golden son of roster watch, a complete standout from the Senior Bowl. He expects him uh, to, you know, step in as the natural slot wide receiver and also serve as a gadget piece out of the backfield. It makes all the sense in the world to me. Yeah, I mean, that could end up being part three of the Golden Sun Trio I talked about, right? <laughs> when, when you and Byron came back from the Senior Bowl, you your eyes were popping out when I saw the big smiles and you're talking about Amari Rodgers. Yes. Uh, you and I actually had a debate uh, in our rookie drafts when it was Dynasty rookie season, Amari Rodgers or Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, I was advocating for for um, uh, for Amari Rodgers yeah, then, you, and I'll st- you, you were, yep. yeah, and I'll stay with that now. I think you were telling me you were telling me, Alex, listen to your own self, right? <laughs> listen to your own self. You love Amari Rodgers. What the hell? Yeah, wrong? and get it was, my. It was it was like the Podfather on the on on the radio show last year when I was doing when I was doing these simulations and I wasn't getting any, any Terry McLaurin. He's like, Alex, you love Terry McLaurin. Yeah, you I love mean, Terry McLaurin. Do I need to remind you that you love Terry McLaurin? Yeah, my take on him was based on your analysis at the Senior Bowl. So uh, you were having an argument with yourself that day. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, we have Arif Hassan, friend of the show, um, saying it's going to be Irv Smith Jr. Like there's not a clear there's not a clear third wide receiver on the roster. The Vikings put their famously, they put their tight ends on the field more than any other team. Uh, just I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. Irv Smith was a great prospect coming out. Um, you know, it, it sucks when you're battling for targets behind um, behind Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, but th- there truly is just a complete void there as far as the third option. Yeah, I mean, you just said it. The, the tree is so narrow there that it's not going to make it's not going to take much for Irv Smith to make his value. I mean, he was one of my favorite tight ends. I think you got, you guys were propping him up that year. He came out with OJ Howard and and in that class, it, it's and he's he's so cheap. If you're going to play the weight on tight end game, he's going to be the target, right? I mean, he's the one you want to take the the first dart on in like the ninth round. I would wait later than that. Um, is, I mean, what I mean, is he going the eleventh? Yeah, it's, something like that. And and, 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 and and I know in best ball it's different than it yeah, is it's different because people get testing. And, right. Well, because you can't pick up and you you can't you can't pick up tight ends. Yeah. You can't play the tight end waiver wire. But um, in redraft, you can get him more like the eleventh. Yeah, and, perfect. And if if you if you don't get him there, you you, you, you can always get Adam Troutman, and so that, that's a good that's a good fallback too. Get them both. <laughs> certainly, certainly. Um, the Atlanta Falcons, this is interesting. We have Tory McElhaney saying that the players who stand the most to game while everybody else is talking about Calvin Ridley and Kyle, Kyle Pitts 
are Russell Gage and Hayden Hurst. I mean, to me, that doesn't sound too exciting for fantasy because I don't think any of those guys are going to be anything that makes any real change uh, for your roster. But do you do you have any interest in getting Gage or Hayden Hurst? Maybe Hayden Hurst if you just get in a huge pickle at tight end or if you're in a tight end premium league. Yeah, the case for Hayden Hurst is is pretty simple. Is that you know if when they traded Julio, they're going to make Kyle Pitts the de facto wide receiver. That's the narrative, right? That we're that we're watching. And if that's the truth, then co- new head coach Arthur Smith was a tight end guru over at Tennessee. So then that connects to Hayden Hurst, who they paid a second round pick for, by the way. And it was funny. I, you know, I look back. Um, a friend of of Roster Watch, our friend Cody Carpenter, pointed out to me that that pick that they gave up uh, for to get Hayden Hurst, that second round pick, the Ravens went ahead and drafted J.K. Dobbins. So in in a uh, in a bizarro world, J.K. Dobbins would be a Falcon right now. Cody Carpentier, our good friend from over at, over at PlayerProfiler.com and Roto Underworld Radio, of course, man. We get, we get, we, we got some good friends and some brothers over there. Um, okay, two, two more, Alan, and one yeah. of these is going to segue into this last quick segment that we'll do. Sure. Um, for the Arizona Cardinals, we have Lindsey Jones saying that, like, it's easy to, it's easy to peg Rondale Moore, right? But – it's rare for a rookie wide receiver to explode, and instead this could finally be Christian Kirk's time to shine as the compliment to DeAndre Hopkins. He's a better number two option than A.J. Green. He can play from the slot. He has, already has known chemistry with Kyler Murray. It's beyond time for that to carry over onto the field. What do you? I mean, a, a, a Christian Kirk truther covering the team here, Lindsey Jones. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, roster watch has always been high on Christian Kirk. He was the he's been a player that I've that someone in the room always likes him better than I do, so I never get him. I'm not I'm never against a player. I did get him in one best ball. It's like uh, I'm I'm dubious. I'm skeptical. It's not going to cost you a lot to find out. It wouldn't surprise me if it happens. But if if you're asking me, I, I'm going to bet against it in any league that means something to me. I'm probably going to pass, but I'm okay being wrong. I, and and you know what? I can see the case and why. Where, where are you guys? Because you were early on Christian Kirk. We saw a few flashes. Oh, trash! I mean, Trash Man loves him. And, and Mike Evans yeah. told Trash. Mike Evans told Trash Man that Christian Kirk can be as good as Odell Beckham. <laughs> like he, so well, he has I, been the last two years, right? Well, probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and 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 here's the last one uh, the, for the 49ers. Pretty easy here. Matt Barrows though is saying, you know, Trey Sermon's going to be a, a, a top the depth chart. Um, with Wilson, you know, being out, Raheem Mostert, he was out with a minor knee sprain. Um, so Trey Sermon was taking the the number one reps there in camp and should basically stay as part of that. Uh, Matt Barrow saying that the 49ers aspire under um, under new running backs coach Bobby Turner to have more than 500 rushing attempts this this season. So if Sermon stays healthy, he's going to get a big chunk of those. I, I love it, and to me, that just brings me to the running back strength of schedule sheet here where we show the San Francisco 49ers is having by far the best strength of schedule for uh, opposing – or the best strength of schedule as far as running backs goes. Um, they get one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of their uh, – I guess of their 16 games that we'll be playing in the fantasy football regular season – this year versus what we have pegged as top eight fantasy opponents for opposing running backs. Uh, And that starts out with two top eight projected opponents at Detroit and at Philadelphia. Your thoughts on Trey Sermon. We're getting him a bunch in the seventh and eighth round of these drafts. I prefer him 
to Raheem Mostert, given that price. What do you think? Uh, this, this, the, the, the San Francisco 49ers, the best strength of schedule for opposing running backs. And I should also say, if you look at the, uh, and it's a good, you guys, if you're enjoying this content, go to rosterwatch.com, get a pro membership, find all this stuff. Alan puts up so many videos a week. I'm, I'm working my ass off on these tools. We have great content from Ani Sridhar and from Trash Man and all, all the rest. You can check it all out here. You can get these tools pulled up ahead, pulled up right in front of you and use them. But San Francisco is right at the very top of the sheet here. Um, also at the very top of the game script tool sheet where I just basically take the opponent's win projected win totals by Las Vegas and measure out how many wins are on the schedule versus these players. Generally the teams that are at the top of that with the fewest number of wins that they're facing, the, the fewest number of projected wins they're facing are teams that have shown in the past to be in good game scripts for opposing running backs. So we not only have the game script stuff going forth, and I, and, I, and I know that the two things, you know, the two things go together in certain ways, right? Game script is taken into the matchup tool, but we do have them at the very top of both of these lists is the San Francisco 49ers. It's, it's, it's driven me to get a whole lot of Trey Sermon. Yeah, I, I love the I love this chart that you make the color codes. It just makes it so easy to read, and obviously San Francisco pops off the pops off the list. Yeah, I mean enjoy drafting Trey Sermon in the seventh eighth round because you know where he's headed, right? He's headed into the fifth round. I'm I'm going to make a non bold prediction that I'm going to give it about the first time he breaks a runoff in camp that he goes into the fifth round, and for good reason. We already know what San Francisco is going to do. They're, Trey Sermon's going to probably have six or seven weeks where he finishes as a top 20, top 15 RB. He's going to have a handful of weeks where he's just a handful of touches, and then there's going to be a handful of weeks where there's some fourth running back we haven't even heard of yet that's going to that's going to be projected to be the starter. So you're not going to get a 17-game stretch out of Trey Sermon, but when he plays, he's going to be projected as a top 15 pick. I love taking him in the, in, you know, where he's going now, and I would still take him in the fifth, sixth round. 